the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Friday, so I get to talk to someone from the IB Times or Newsweek. This time it's IB Times. Great website if you're looking for well-written articles, especially tied towards business or technology. That's the area that I'm most interested in. But it's ibtimes.com. It's Cole Stangler. How are you, Cole? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, you, you're coming back. That means you did a good job last time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get another gig, so to speak. Um, let's talk about the job report and the gigs that are out there. What did you see in the jobs report this morning? People in general are saying it's a strong month. I mean, you had employment up 292,000 jobs. Um, at the same time, unemployment rate stayed 5%. Um, we're not seeing wage growth. That's been a story that really dates to the end of the recession, by some measures, goes back decades. Um, the other big question people are looking at is labor force participation, um, and, and that basically held steady as well. So um, by some measures, yeah, the economy did out a lot of jobs. By other measures, um, if you're an average worker out there, odds are um, things are not getting a whole lot better just because um, the jobs report seemed a little bit better this time around. Yeah, we're stuck at that 5% unemployment rate, and that looks like a great number, but the economy is different. And I I sound like an old man, but back in the day when I was younger kind of thing, it's starting to, to feel like it's different out there, especially with the gig economy. You've recently written about the gig economy. Um, is gig, can I simplify this and say it's like uh, you work when you want to work for Lyft or Uber or you put up your house when you want to sell it or rent it out on um uh, Airbnb. Is that what the gig economy is all about? Yeah, I mean, p- people have used a variety of terms to describe this. Started off as a sharing economy, and then once it, I think, gradually became apparent that this was not about sharing, but that these were actually profitable uh, enterprises, people kind of dropped that term. So the gig economy, the on-demand economy, which is a kind of a phrase that people use to refer to this broad swath of largely online um, app-based services, um, like you mentioned, whether it's ride-hailing, um, people renting out. Um, their homes or apartments, people using services to to complete certain tasks um, like food delivery, task rabbit, things like that. Um, and we've, there's been a lot of attention given to the the rise of these companies. Um, it's sort of a, a, a trendy thing. Um, people have been talking about the way it's going to be revolutionizing work, um, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of chatter about that. And there was actually a study that, that just came out from Time Magazine, um, along with a couple other a PR firm, Brisson Moster, and the Aspen Institute think tank, um, estimating a, a large swath of the population um, earning earning significant income from working in this in this so-called gig economy or on-demand economy. 
And I, I spoke with some, some other observers of this, experts, people who've been looking at, at the growth of the sector and, and kind of pointing out that, that this, this study, among others, are, are exaggerating the numbers of people who are actually engaged in this um, on a daily basis, um, or at least deriving significant income from it. I have an ancillary story that kind of tells me I'm a little bit worried about the gig economy. I recently yeah. landed in San Jose, and San Jose just opened up to Lyft, and it's fantastic. A, a cab ride home from San Jose Airport would be about $100. With Lyft, it was about $25. But the Lyft driver was like, yeah, you don't – I'm like, so from my house, it's close to SFO, San Francisco Airport. I said, well, you just jump over there and pick someone up and take them maybe down to San Jose and like hit a home run. He's like, nope. SFO too busy. He said, if you go to the temporary lot, you'll see a hundred Lyft drivers and Uber drivers waiting to pick someone up. And he right. says it's incredibly disgusting because the airport will only change the porta potty like once a month. Um, and he just basically painted this picture of people standing around urinating, waiting for fares. And maybe the gig economy is not as glorious and as sexy as it sounds. Like, hey, I'm going to turn on my car and going to be a taxi for a couple hours and turn it off. Um, Sure. I mean, I mean, this is this is you know, as you probably have seen the Lyft ads um, using this phrase, "be your own boss" um, everywhere, and this idea that you can you can do this full time to make a living. I think the reality is a lot uh, just darker than that. Um, people, I mean, few few people are actually engaged in this on on a full time basis, and it's it, it's pretty difficult to make a living doing that. Um, you know, one you have if we're talking about Uber and Lyft, you have the commissions that. The companies are taking around 20% um, of your fare goes to the company, um, and then you have the question of you're not you don't have access to this um, the traditional I shouldn't even say traditional but basic job protections and the kind of safety net that's attached to employment um, in the United States. You're, you're you don't have protection under anti-discrimination laws. You're not bound by labor laws, and so those things tend to tend to add up and. Um, it's it's kind of a, a brave new world if you if you try to take the plunge to to do this. I see that you recently wrote an article on mining where U.S. mining deaths dropped to a historic low. I saw in today's jobs report that mining jobs continue to basically go away, and mining also implies oil, but sure. it all, lumber and mining are tied together. They've lost 131,000 jobs since December 2014, so not a good day for your kid if he wants to grow up to be a logger or an oil drill platform kind of guy, but um, any thoughts yeah, on the or, mining? I, w- I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, or or coal mining. I mean, as, there's a number of other stresses on on that industry, but I mean, these are sectors that are that are far um, far from booming. You, know, you have natural gas that has become widely available, cheaper. Power plants are using natural gas instead of coal. And you have the just the the ongoing decline and um, or low levels of global oil prices that's making it more difficult for um, American oil oil and gas workers to to find work um, and to hold on to work, and, and especially those who are working um, in the shale patch, the shale patches, North Dakota, parts of Texas, Colorado, um, where the cost of production is a lot higher than the cheaper, um, lower-cost Saudi oil and some of the other oil that we're competing with. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long the the so-called boom lasts in, in North Dakota, how long people are going to be continuing to flock there and stay there um, because things are, are looking pretty grim. Um, I, I was actually, I was out there a year ago and people were talking about, I met with um, a, actually a, a state representative who was talking about how they, they predicted this oil boom to last at least another 15, 20 years. Um, and it doesn't look 
that bright right now. What's interesting is a couple of years ago when the oil boom was hitting North Dakota and the Balkan Shell and everyone was talking about it, um, there was an article in the New York Times, and not to quote another author while well, I'm speaking to an author, but um, it was about a stripper that went basically to North Dakota and made $300,000 a year because there's no women there. And it's just a bunch of miners and oil people. And I was like, that's fascinating because I'm not a woman, but if I were, that was like, that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. Um, so the jobs inside the jobs. I know you don't have to comment on that, but any comment on that? I mean, th- this was, there was, I mean, famously the, the Walmart in Williston, North Dakota. I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like starting pay was $15 an hour or something. So it's sort of this totally inflated um, kind of special job market that, that's, that's detached almost from the rest of the country. It's, it's isolated from, from major cities. Um, and prices, prices are inflated. Um, and I wonder how long that workers at that Walmart are going to be being paid $15 an hour. I can't expect it to be to be that case um, much longer, you would think. I'm speaking with Cole Stangler, a reporter for the IB Times. He obviously specializes on labor and wages and uh, the economy overall. Um, New York set for a $15 wage for city workers. Um, a lot of America, California, I think we just went from $9 an hour minimum wage to $10 an hour minimum wage. Um, a lot of states are doing this. Is, is it helping the workers, or is it still just a case of that's just a little bit of money? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a good question. I, I think a lot of people. I don't. I don't think a lot of these big wage hikes have have taken effect for long enough for us to really know what what the impacts are. Um, the 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 three cities that have the most aggressive wage increases: Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, all creating the fifteen dollar minimum wages. Um, they haven't gone into $15 yet. They're being phased in right now. Oakland has another one that's not, not $15, but another pretty substantial wage increase. And so I think you need to just have more time to, to see what the, the effects are. The, state, the statewide wage increases that we're seeing are not nearly as, uh, as aggressive or substantial as, as the, the citywide ones. And I think ultimately we're just going to need more time. It's, it's a super politicized, supercharged topic for, for a variety of reasons on, on both sides of the issue. Um, but the fact is, I think we just need to to wait. Um, there hasn't, there really hasn't been a lot of research on wage increases of this magnitude. So you, you actually have some economists who, even on the on the kind of liberal side of things, saying that they're perhaps a little concerned about the impacts of of, of the fifteen dollar wage um, and what the impacts would be if we had, for example, a federal fifteen dollar minimum wage. Um, so, so I mean, there is that concern, but I think ultimately it's just too soon to say. Cole, we've got about a minute and a half, and I'm speaking with Cole Stangler, staff writer for the IB Times, ibtimes.com. If you punch in his last name, Stangler, you'll find all of his articles. Fascinating reads. Um, minute and a half, basically it's all your time. Anything you want to talk about on the economy, on jobs, uh, anything that's burning in your head that you want to get out? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, next week, Monday, you have a couple of really interesting court cases going on um, that – um, affects small portions of the workforce now, but I think a lot of people are going to be watching. You have the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, examining whether or not McDonald's Corporation should be held liable for labor violations um, allegedly committed by its franchisees. So a lot of people, the fast food industry, um, people who have franchises, are looking at that case as a kind of benchmark, um, um, you know, or, 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 or looking, looking at what the impact could be. If, if McDonald's is, is held liable for this, um, you would imagine other fast food corporations could be held liable in the future. I think that's one big thing happening on Monday. The other one is you have 
um, oral arguments in the big Supreme Court case um, that could determine um, the fate, ultimately, of, of public sector unionism in the United States, looking at whether or not unions can charge fees to non-members um, in the public sector. So a couple of really significant cases um, opening next week. Thanks very much. That's Cole Stangler, staff writer, IB Times. Always a good interview. Thank you so much. Um, have a good weekend. It's Cole Stangler with IBTimes.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.